irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. My show is about facilitating personal growth by involving you in conversations with people that I admire, knowing that all of our contributions matter. If you would like to call in today to speak to me or my guest, the number is 818-602-4929. I am a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I am EMDR certified, a Reiki level two practitioner. I have offices in both New Orleans and Los Angeles. And you can find me online at nolatherapy.com, the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy.com. And you're able to reserve sessions there via Skype or by phone in person or on location. You can buy my book on the website also that has to do with coping with depression and anxiety. I have some good news to share that happened seven days ago today. As part of my therapy, I am a professional glass artist and I've cast and blown glass for the last 24 years out of Tulane University and taught all over the world in Japan, New York, Seattle, North Carolina, And six years ago, I realized that glass is not accessible to people with disabilities, and my bachelor's degree was working with people with disabilities. So I founded a nonprofit called the Yes Foundation, and I invented a medical device to allow people who are in wheelchairs to cast and blow glass, and I began working on a patent. And six years later, I was awarded my patent a week ago today. So I feel very proud and excited and will be working to release that and raise money and have a prototype built to be able to make glass accessible to people with disabilities. I would like to talk about our guest today, David Matthew Brown, who is an international speaker, author, radio show host of a show called Inside Out and Healer. And his mission is about sharing messages of empowerment, transcendence, and spiritual growth. He utilizes global heart healing, sound, energy, and shamanic work with his clients. I was drawn to him because of his book, 90 Days of Heat, Freedom Through Moksha, and wish David completed 100 consecutive days of hot yoga. And I want to hear his story and discuss it today. So let's bring on David Matthew Brown. Hi, David, Lisa. How are you? Hi. Good. Thank you for coming on Good. the show today. Thank, thank you for having me. And we should also thank Rachel and Candy. <laughs> Absolutely. Rachel Lang and Candy Hoke for introducing us. Thank you, ladies. Yes. Yeah. So where do you want to begin? Because I've done a lot of reading uh, about you, and I was really drawn to your book, 
about the 100 consecutive days of yoga because I myself did 60 consecutive days wow. of Wow. Thank you. And I contemplated 90, but um, I felt like I, I couldn't get to 61. Yeah, my, my studio owner is an Emily also, who you reference in your book, having a teacher named Emily. And she really encouraged me to do the 90 days. And I just, I felt like it, it took everything to get to 60. And I felt really good about stopping there. So can you tell Beautiful. us something about what, what brought you to this practice? Sure. I, it was, you know, I had just moved through a divorce. And then after, during that time, I went through my dark night of the soul. And yeah. out of the dark night of the soul came my first book, which is the Book of Light, the Heart Opening. And then about a year later, I came upon this thing, uh, a way of kind of forgiving. And I was ready to forgive. And so I went through that process. And once I went through that process, I was driving in L.A. And I mm-hmm. just kind of felt a wonderful lightness that I hadn't felt in years. Okay. And there was kind of like a new beginning going through my head. I was like, gosh, what, what do I do to kind of mark this new thing? So I looked to my right and I had practiced yoga on and off since about, you know, 1999, 2000. Okay. And so I saw this yoga studio and I thought, wow, I have a blog. So that will keep me up with accountability, <laughs> right? Yes. Why don't I mark it by doing 30 straight days of hot yoga and I could share my experience every single day on my blog and I will be honest and open with what I'm feeling like that day and what's going on. And if in fact yoga helped out, that's pretty much where I started. And I went to, uh, at the time it was called Moksha Yoga and they had to change the, the title of it to Moto Yoga in the States because of trademark issues. Okay. Um, but Moksha is a big yoga, hot yoga place in Canada. There's 55 studios. Oh, that's so, wow. Very big. Yeah. So, I went and I talked to Emily Moran, who you had just referenced. Yeah. And she contacted me. So I went in there, I talked to them in the studio, and then they gave me her information. I emailed her, and literally the email came back that night. And she said, listen, I was raised by a single father. I love dads, mm-hmm. and I think this is this is awesome, and I'm I'm behind you, and just go do it. So I was like, great. Because I want to let her know I was going to put it in a blog. I didn't want them to be feel like they're being sabotaged, right? Yeah. So I did it. I went, like you just said, I did. I was on day like 28. Things were going great. I was happy. I had two more days left. <laughs> like, and I came out of the yoga room sweating. And I saw Emily there in the lobby. And she asked how it was going. Yeah. So it was great. I go, I have two more days left. And then she shared a story with me. And the story was she remembers setting a mark for herself in raising money every once a month or one month out of the year, Modo and Moksha raise money for a full month for, for an organization that they pick out that they're going to go to. Okay. So she said she was raising money for an organization when she first started Moksha out here in Los Angeles. And she had put the number at, I'm going to make it up like 20 grand. She okay. thought it was possible to raise 20 grand in a month. And her friend said, why don't you go for 60? Which she said, well, that's ridiculous. That's impossible. <laughs> right. Yeah. So she did it. And she raised something like $61,000 in a month. And that's it blew amazing. her mind away. Yeah. Blew her mind away that she can get a group of people to do that. 
And so she looked at me right after that story and she goes, I think you can do 90. And I went, 90 what? <laughs> she, <laughs> said, she said, 90 straight days. And I went, but I have two more days left for 30. <laughs> you know, like, so I yes. was like, all right. So I did it. I, I just remember walking out there after I looked at her and I said, I'll do that. And so I did it. And I blogged on it. And it, there's lots, thousands of people that were kind of reading the blog and tuning in. And they're very excited about this thing. I, I think most people were tune, tuning in, if I'm going to be honest about it, to see if I would stop. Uh-huh. Right? That right. People get really curious, like, oh, yeah, he's going to do 90. But, you know, when you're, as a dad, raising a daughter and work and all that stuff yeah. going on, things come up, you know, like, oh, gosh, i got to get a babysitter because i got to make class. If I don't make class, I'm not going to keep up to 90. So exactly. there was a lot going on. The studio was very generous that, like, if something happened, I needed to bring Harper in. Harper would help out behind the desk while I was doing yoga, <laughs> right? That's so cool. So, yeah, so there were some wonderful things that kind of unfolded and some magical, miraculous moments that kind of came through at the last minute. One, I remember one time... I couldn't find a babysitter. Mm -hmm. uh, Harper was playing with her friend. And my landlady, who's a grandma, said, I'll watch her. And and watched watch my daughter and her friend play for you know hour and a half, however long I was gone. Yes. And so I was like, wow, this is magical. Like, there's something, like, awesome about doing this. And so that's how, that's how it started. That's how I got. And so, I, like you said, I mean, the goal was 90. The last 10 were pretty much for myself because I knew I'd probably never go here again. Sure. So I did, you know, I did 100 days and the last 10 were just kind of my own little private yes moments where I was just like, yeah, you know what? Like, you did this. Like, you're awesome. Like, like, I remember walking this. out of there on day 100. Yeah. yeah. Day 100, I walked out of there and I, I passed uh, Colin, what's his name? Farrell, the actor. Yeah. And someone introduced us and they said, you know, David just did 100 straight days here at at Moto, and he he said congratulations. He could kind of care less. <laughs> like, right, right. But I walked I walked out of there because I used to walk there because it's only you know ten minute walk from my house. So I'd walk right. to the studio, yes. do my stuff, walk home, and I said to myself on the way home, I said, you know what, David, you're awesome. You're awesome. This is awesome. Like what you just did is awesome, and not too many people will get it or understand it or even you know care about it. But I did. And it felt good for me, and I learned a lot. Well, and it sounds so. like you had a lot of support with your blog that Lululemon posted on their site as well, correct? Which I think right. is yeah. awesome. And people Very writing nice you daily. Yeah, that you reference in your book, the emails that you would get, and and the help and support. It's it's almost like the, the village, the community supported you in this goal. They did. And there's a, a juice place next door. And I ended up doing like a three-day cleanse with them. And that was fun because I had never done like a juice cleanse. And then some other people that had products kind of approached me to see, if, you know, if I could put them on my blog. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a really fun experience and uh, just kind of flowing with it and not spending too much time trying to figure out anything really. Just like I had referenced when it came down to Harper, who was, you know, how would I take care of my daughter while I'm in that room? 
So yeah, and the commitment how to how to get there and have Harper cared for and your work getting yeah. done, given various right. you know weather conditions, unexpected things happening. It was like a right. I imagine preoccupation. You know, you finish one class and it's like okay, but I still have to go tomorrow. And what do I need to prepare? You know. So oh yeah, well I did. I ahead. Yeah, and you know what I did. I, I think it was during that time. Um, they had like an, a major earthquake somewhere. I think it was like Korea or China at the time. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And so there was a girl that organized like eight of us to do hot yoga and raise money all day. So I literally did eight classes in one day. What? To help raise money for like Korea. I can't remember what it was, but we ended up raising like, $2,000 in one day, and then we sent it off to the thing. Yeah, it was nuts. But I was in such, I was in great shape. Like, sure. really great shape. So I remember the last class was like a yin class, and it was perfect, right? Yeah. I yeah. Like a lot of stretching, and then we could just meditate and fall asleep. I was like beyond bliss at the end of the day because I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. We did it for a whole country. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you felt restored and knowing that you were helping and contributing to something greater, I think energetically and financially. Yes. Yeah. So did you go into this, um, you know, initial 30 days thinking this is purely kind of a physical challenge and then notice the evolution? Because I notice even your book from day one to 90, it kind of shifted from talking about, you know, the physical um, experience to more the interpersonal, psychological, and spiritual. And I wondered if, if you anticipated that or just kind of embraced it as it, as it unfolded. Yeah, I, I would probably say you, you're definitely spot on about the first, the first part. You know, I, I probably had the, the, uh, mindset of 30 days would just be just physical because I had done, power yoga and other styles of yoga. Yeah. And that's pretty much where my mind was. And so I had a lot, you know, day seven, I'm getting over my body issues as a, which is ridiculous, but we're in Hollywood. Yeah. And I didn't know I had body issues and here I am a guy and I have body issues. Like I'm worried about what I look like that my And I don't think that's ridiculous at all. We all do to some degree or another. It sounds like this practice drew your attention to that maybe more acutely than your day-to-day life. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a golden tan yoga person. And so when you're in a, most time when you're in a yoga studio, it's a lot of like, people with like perfect bodies or perfect images of a body or whatever. But yes, it was great for me because I was able, I remember on day seven, I I had to take my shirt off. It was was just too hot. And I turned to the yoga teacher and I apologized. And that was my first wake up call about my body. Like, and how you felt about uh, it. Right. And I looked at she and her name was Carolyn. She was so gracious. And she said, what are you apologizing for? And I went, I'm going to have to take my shirt off. And the way the light's coming in in the roof, it's backlit. So I'm going to glow. I'm going to glow in this room because my mm. skin's so white. Right. Mm-hmm. And she smiled and she went, David, it, it's, it's, it's fine. Just take your shirt off. Yes. And so once I did that, I felt like an overwhelming sense of you know, different emotions running in me while I was in my practice. So that continued on for probably a good 
like couple of days until mm-hmm. I was finally over it. Till I finally got over it. So and the self consciousness kind of fell mm-hmm. away. Right. Where I was like, you know what? I'm not any of these people in this room. We're mm-hmm. practicing as a group and they don't really care what I look like. They're so focused on themselves. They yes. don't really care what I look like. And so it was great. And then I moved from the back of the room at, from that point on to the front of the room. And from that oh, point cool. on, I never left the front of the room. So every class I took, I sat right in the front of the room. So and it sounds like I, you let yourself take up all the space you needed to. And, and your confidence grew, too, right. in a beautiful Which way. Is, uh, yeah, and there's a part of me that it also felt like it was a good leadership moment. Because there I am every single day in that class. And there are people that are coming like every other day or every couple of days. And I felt like I I was a leader of that room. Yeah. As my, as my, you know, as my practice grew, I think it was like around day 40 in the book that I mentioned that, you know, when you're doing yoga, the emphasis is always on, you know, stay in your breath, right? Breathe. Yes. Just breathe. And what I noticed was on day 40, my breath was carrying the poses and I was no longer I was doing no it. longer the yeah doing the pose. The breath was flowing through me like a river, and it was taking me through all these different pretzel, twisty, warrior, mountain poses, and mm-hmm. then it became. I was unifying both everything at once on the mat. So now, when I was entering my practice, it was not. I wouldn't call it spiritual because there's too many words, there's too many labels and concepts of spiritual. But it, what I did feel is that all of a sudden these poses that were just poses to me right. were, now little, were now little myths. And each pose was a myth that I was uncracking to get to a deeper aspect of who I am. And so by the time I got to Shivasana, what I recognized was every practice was me dying to myself. Mm-hmm. Whereas Shivasana used to be, oh God, I could finally just relax, <laughs> right? right. Well, I was just working to relax. I was working to the meditation, which is the Shivasana. But now I'm now I was um, beginning life and ending life on my mat every time I was there, and it was uh, it was interesting because I was now able to watch when I you know people that were entering the practice that were just focused on body. Mm-hmm. They had nothing when they were just focused on earth, right? Right. Which is the, the body. physical plane. Yeah. That they were stuck in a lot of anger and rage and a lot of emotions. And so they would go, yeah, I'm a, like, they'd be really amped up. You know, I'm a yogi. I'm a yogi. Like, I'm, this is what I do. I'm a, I, I practice and I, I work on my body. And it's, it's like, there's a, there's an energy to it. Right. Which is great. You know, like, and then with that comes like, I'm a raw foodist. I'm a vegetarian. I, I don't eat meat. I, <laughs> but there's a panic undergirthing About their it. physical, like an right? anxiety. Yeah, in the to pursuit. keep up the appearance. There's an anxiety right. to keep up the appearance, and the mm-hmm. appearance is I'm a yogi now. Now I have an identity. But what I noticed was, as my breath was maintaining and really taking over my practice, and it was just really just falling, letting my fall into my breath, just keep falling into her, fall yeah. into her, just keep falling into her on the breath, you know, the breath itself. What I noticed was, uh, it w- I wasn't going to 90 days of heat anymore. 
I was going to embrace my breath. I was going to have a romance with my own breath. And I would notice that sometimes my breath would be shallow in a pose. And once I was aware of the shallowness, it would expand. Mm-hmm. And so that became dynamic because now I'm no longer changing or fixing myself. I'm just aware of things. what is. Yeah. I'm aware of what's happening on my mat without changing it and making it something and, and saying that it's wrong or I'm wrong or this is wrong or I can't believe this is happening or I'm not good enough or I'm, I'm less enough or whatever it is. I was just becoming aware of the pose as it was and how I was in that pose and watching myself expand in the pose, right? And, and sometimes and- I would just fall on my butt and I would laugh because I, I was realizing the ridiculousness the ridiculousness of trying to hold it all together right? and trying to be something, trying to be like a master yogi, trying to be like whatever. And that the pose itself was always introducing me to the very beginning, the beginning, the beginning of who I was, meaning that helping me release what I knew about anything. And I was getting more comfortable and not knowing. And yeah. it was bec- and that was becoming powerful both off the mat and on the mat. But off the mat, it was helping me because I would walk into, let's say, uh, a session. Be- before you go there, or, I want to jump in to, to share yeah. an, an insight. You're talking about day 40 of your journey. And I had highlighted some things on day 40, in fact, because you're okay. talking about meeting yourself you know, there on your mat in that room and you write about, and this is a quote, that yoga is life and life is happening here right now. So let's practice kindness for each other and only speak what we know for ourselves to be true. And I think, you know, like you said, you know, in the poses, trying to hold it together metaphorically represents holding the different pieces and parts of our life together as best as we can. But truly, it's it's the divine that orchestrates it all on our behalf. And it sounds like you really started to tap into that greater consciousness of what's supporting you and, and everyone around you in the room and outside of the room. Right. Yeah, because you have, a, look, you have many transitions on a mat. That are, that are happening. And most practitioners, most yogis, right? Whoever, if you've ever done yoga once, you're a yogi. We're all mm-hmm. yogis, doesn't matter. But most people see, it, it. most people feel like you're going from one pose to the other. But it's a flow. So when you're right. in your breath, the sun salutation that you're doing into plank, into, you know, upward dog, back up, into downward dog, and you're you're flowing, and so what you're doing is you're letting go of the control that you're putting on yourself to make each pose something. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the pose. The beauty of yoga that I learned in the process was if I'm doing if I'm in the flow of the breath, moving through each pose, and it could be strenuous, it could be tension. It doesn't really it doesn't matter. Because the pose that you're in right now is perfect the way it is. Right. It doesn't have to be anything other than, than how you're experiencing it. Because the next day you'll show up and do the same pose. And it might be just like awful. You might be falling in your butt. But that's okay. You know? Mm-hmm. So it, it releases this energetic of perfection. You know, and the and, kindness and, towards oneself, too. Yeah. In the process of that. that, yeah, being kind to yourself, which is and can be difficult 
for all of us. Yeah. It can be. I noticed so in my yeah, it's, it's yeah. I noticed in my journey cool. as well and with yoga. My studio is a five minute walk away. So often I would, you know, walk five minutes to Oak Street Yoga and, and get on my mat and it started to be a thirty day challenge. I'm gonna do this because I work out and I can do this and I'm not very flexible. I'd like to be more flexible. So purely on that physical material plane for aesthetics. Um and then, you know, as I went on, just showing up even when I did not want to, or it was not convenient, or if I missed a day and I'd have to go twice the next day, waking up at 5 a.m., which I'm not a morning person. Yeah. Just, you know, I felt committed to, to this goal. And um, at 30 days, Emily, the owner of my studio, said, why don't you do 90? Wow. And I said, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'll consider that. And I just noticed, like, just feeling really honest with myself. It was an hour or an hour and a half of just like having my thoughts or having no thoughts and just noticing tension in my body. And it totally transformed from the physical to just like the emotional and spiritual and, and releasing yeah. things. Sometimes I would cry, like just release. And it's Bikram, so it's so hot. Nobody knows if you're crying or not. And when I talked to some other friends, <laughs> right. they would sometimes release emotions too. Just like releasing all kinds of stuff I didn't necessarily have the words for. And I feel like I transcended um, – into just feeling really one with people I didn't even know and things I don't understand. And it became like this really sacred 60 to 90 minutes of um, being unreachable, you know, by the outside world and just really going into my inner world. I was so glad, you know, that, that I just allowed myself to experience yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that it's, transition. It's, it's, yeah. And thank you for that because that's you're beautiful. Welcome. And thank it's, you. and it's, you know, when you're, when you're in a pose, doesn't you know? I remember sometimes just being in some deep hip poses, right? Yeah. And you're you're in it in a yin class, and as you're in that pose, you're okay while you're in it, and then you go to the next one, and there's waterworks, and you're crying, and you don't have to know what that's about. You know, most people want to know why they're crying. I'm yeah. crying because blah, blah, blah. Sometimes we don't have to know. Sometimes it's just a good release. Like your body just needs that release. We're, you know, we, we tend to be in a society where everybody has to know everything yes. about everything. Or pretend and like if, they do. And then if they, yeah, and then, it, yeah, then they pretend like they know stuff that they don't know. And so it, it's, it's really quite honest to just not know. Yeah. There, because and in the not knowing comes the knowing. That. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, uh, thank you for sharing that because you're welcome. You know, it's, it's look. Someone, someone came. I had a signing of the book at the Grove in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and there was a gentleman and his wife that do these amazing paintings that I know, and but we don't really know each other that well. And then he read the book, and he he said to me, he goes, David. Every person should read this book one day at a time, like you did this journey, and and they will transform. This is really this oh, is like a master's right. Like this is a master's book. Like this is what like mastership is. Now I don't right. see it as mastership. I just see it as a journey that I went on, and I wanted. I felt the need somewhere inside this being to share it. And, yeah. And I think I feel like the reason for that is why you just brought up your journey is that we're we're all in this together 
right? It's it's easy yeah. to go, well, look at those people over there, or or this person has something that I don't have. Well, let's just cut the BS. Yeah. The truth of the matter is, at some time in our lives, we all move through stuff, and that's okay. You know, what, yeah. what we would want is kind of what we have, like when someone meets you and they go to a session, or they meet me on a session. People want to know that it's okay to feel and be with what they're going through without being judged. Exactly. Right? Yes. People will find people that they can hang out with, even if we think that those people might be the worst people in the world. But maybe when they hang around those people, they're not judged. They don't feel judged. Yeah. And they're not having a group of people trying to change them or fix them or say that what you're doing is, you know, wrong in some way. Right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're... When my point is, is that when you're on your yoga mat, you have this deep love for yourself where you realize that it's okay. You're in the middle of all this, like for my personal journey. Here I am in the middle of all this sweat. I'm trying, I'm breathing. Sometimes I'm trying to breathe through things that my body is, you know, in some sort of twist that the teacher wants us to be in for an extended time. Yeah, I'm breathing into my kidneys for some reason because they're hurting or I'm breathing into my stomach because it's it's telling me something. And through all of that, the beauty of our existence is I don't have to know what it is. I just have to be with it. That's all. I just have to be with it and know that I'm going to be okay and know that I can move with this. And that's empowering to know that I can be with my own stuff. You know, and then be able to share that with strangers and say, I'm comfortable enough to say that I went through this. I'm going to share it with you. And you may have opinions about what I went through. Maybe I wasn't good enough for you or maybe I wasn't a master. Maybe I wasn't this or that. But you know what? What I can say is that everything in that book is honest and it and I went through it. Yeah, I liked when you talked about, um, say, spine twists, for example, representing, you know, the twists and turns of a relationship or just really extrapolating to to daily life. You know, the metaphors of each of each pose and what it put you in touch with in your own personal life. Right. Well, you know, I I do bring up mountain pose because here you are. You're just standing upright. Yes. Shoulders shoulders are back. back, Chest is out. Yeah. Your heart is open. You're you're staying there like a lion or a lioness. And I, I use it before I go, you know, into a session like I was going to bring up or an audition or something where I might feel a little bit insecure about. Right? I'll just yes. stand upright in mountain pose, extend my neck, right? Drop drop my chin down a little bit. I'm completely yeah. erect. My shoulders are back. My heart is open. And all of a sudden, within like three or four breaths, I just feel great power right yes and you have warrior pose you know like warrior pose where you're 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 getting ready to blast through something right Mm -hmm. sun salutation where you surrender your body and you surrender it and as you surrender it you go through these different poses and then you come back up and you look up and you embrace the sun again so there's there's so many beautiful things. And even when you go through the twist poses, like you had brought up, right? You're twisting your organs. You're, you're pulling all that stuff up, all the stuff that doesn't serve you. And you're letting it all go throughout your day. So there's something quite beautiful about 
that because when you go outside your mat, you're experiencing the same thing. You're going through the twists and turns of life. Things are being squeezed out of you sometimes. Sometimes you have to be strong when you don't know how you're going to be strong. Sometimes you have to be soft. And then you have to soften yourself in life. So you have all this stuff going on. And then we're, we're asking of you, we're training you on a yoga mat, not we, but the teachers are helping you understand yeah, you're going through all of this. You. Now soften. What? Now soften. Soften what? Because we're exactly. so used to having this armor up, and we're afraid that if we share authentically who we are with somebody or some, you know, a group of people, that they're going to say no. And so well, we're we training ourselves yeah. to say yes. Right. My my favorite pose is trikonasana, triangle, and in yeah. my at my studio was typically in the middle of the class, and I felt like yeah. I, I pretty much honestly had quite a bit of resistance getting to trikonasana, but once I reached it, it was like, oh, I have arrived at my point, my pinnacle of feeling like this is it. Just the hip opening, the leaning into it, the stretching over. Um, just like I love trikonasana, something about it, I just felt open and free and strong, but vulnerable. And um, so that for me was kind of like, okay, I've arrived. When when we beautiful, got to right? Place. And then they, yeah, yeah. And then you probably had moments where the teacher came behind you while you were in that pose and kind of gently a little adjustment. Pushed, yeah, a little adjustment. Maybe pushed your heart out a little bit. When, yes. When there's a party that was like, well, I can't extend anymore, and then they do that, you're like, oh my gosh, I can. There's still more to go. So, you know, there's, I love, I love hearing that because it reminds me of the, the beauty of yoga is that you'll never master it. Every mm-hmm. day is going to be, is going to offer just different things. And so can you get comfortable with the idea that you might not master it? You, you'll have masterful moments. You'll have moments where you're going to like one day you're just, all the poses are going to be immaculate. Like you're going to be like, oh my Lord. Like, you have I'm integrity. In you feel it. Yes. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're just, you just feel so good. And then the next day, every pose is difficult. Right. And, it, and it's so humbling to realize that the practice itself is humbling, that it's not about your physicality. It's not about what your body looks like. It's not about what you think a yoga person looks like. You know, it's, it's, it reminds me of life, right? Yeah, I, just, I'd love to just show up and do your yes. best. Keep it simple. So- what you're saying, I have open to um, another quote from your book I like to read to our listeners that I love. On page 26, yoga is divine. It is the connection between the earth and the heavens, which is what we need in our life, the balance of life. But as always, it starts with our walk. We live in a society created by our unconscious agreements and conscious agreements. Our stories bring us closer to each other. And rather than judge people, which is an easy way out of life, let us yearn to understand each other. And by understanding, we become closer to the divine within and out. Right. Yeah, because you know what? Like what just popped up in my head is Mm -hmm. we're always taught, we're always told by religious practices or spiritual practices about forgiveness. Right. But really, really what we're really yearning for is understanding. And if we can understand, then the forgiveness goes out the door. We can, can you say if some we more can about understand, that? Yeah. Yeah. Forgiving, right? We have all heard means forgiving. Thank you for giving me this lesson. 
But right. really the lesson that we're learning is how to understand. And when we don't want to understand somebody, we harbor that anger or resentment or why did this happen to me and it's this resistance. So forgi- yeah. forgiveness gives us the opportunity to let that go. But the next level is understanding. Help, help me understand where you're coming from. Help me understand right. your walk. Help me understand myself. Help me understand where I'm speaking from right now or, or what, what, the, what is unfolding right now. But we're here to understand each other, which brings forth what we would call, or I would call, fierce compassion, right? Yeah. Because so most what people I hear look you at say, compassion as a soft energy. What? Yeah, what I hear you saying is, is help me stand in your shoes so I can understand what is going on, so I can extend that forgiveness, that empathy, you know, that, that understanding to, to let, make this be okay, let the, allow this to be okay. Well, first of all, yeah. Well, first of all, with that understanding, it's that we're okay already. But we, mm-hmm. we all get a little bit, what, all of us have moments where we feel like we're not okay. Right. And so with that understanding and, and wanting to understand where you're coming from, Lisa, I know inside myself through my own experience that I'm okay. So now I want to know where you're at. I want to know the way in which you're thinking and the way in which you see life and the, the way in which you're sharing your life with me now. Help me understand that. Yeah. Right? And it, and it brings Absolutely. forth a little bit more clarity for me because I want you to be you. Always. Right? Yeah. And I want to be myself always. And then sometimes we get caught up in trying to change somebody or trying to change a circumstance or deny that it happened. Mm-hmm. So rather than spend time in resistance, perhaps we can spend a little bit more time understanding, like on a bigger picture, in a global picture. Um, our political system right now. Right. We don't want to understand each other. It's a lot easier to try to rip each other or resist each other or kill each other or whatever we do in order to get a position or make a position. But no one really in media wants to understand. Mm -hmm. And collectively, we're all part of that. So there are parts within me that I am understanding and growing with and having compassion for and and sometimes in resistance to. But as I begin to soften those spaces within myself, um, I bring that to the collective, and then somebody else does that within themselves, and they bring that to the collective. And before you know it, there's a tipping point, and then people start to go, why don't we understand each other? I don't understand why we don't talk to each other or talk with each other. Why do we talk at each other? At each other. Why are we always trying to change people? Right. Well, and, so, and I think to yeah. to understand, it takes listening, and to truly yeah. listen, it takes silence. And I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with that silence that true listening requires, because you have mm-hmm. to kind of set your ego aside truly and really just be open and listen. And I don't think our culture allows a lot of room for that, especially in the political arena and other public arenas. So it can be challenging. Right. Well, I think, who's it, Lao Tzu? Someone has that great quote that says, 
if you're talking, you're talking about what you know. When you listen, you're listening from what you don't know. And you allow the newness to come up. Yes. So, yeah, we listening is, is receptive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have trouble receiving. So they fill the space up with talking. So this conversation is, is causing me to think about the workshops that you do, the roar workshops, letting go and using the breath. Or do you, would you talk some about that? Because it sounds like it's a vehicle to maybe get to forgiveness as, as one example or self-acceptance, acceptance of others. I was curious about, about this work that you do. Yeah. Yeah. The, so the work roar is simply about, so here's, here's the best way I can put it. Okay. There are no, no two snowflakes alike. Mm-hmm. Meaning that there are no two hearts that are the same. Each of us has a different heartbeat. You have a different drumbeat. You have a different call which is unique, which is wonderful, which is part of this verse. We're all, part, we're all one verse. Yes. So we're one, one part of this verse. And I know some people are going to get esoteric right now unless they go multiverse. So let's just keep it simple. Okay. In this verse, right, in this verse, we each offer our verse. Okay? So how do you connect to the verse? How do you connect to your heart? Well, you, you connect to the heart by going inward and connecting your breath and your heart together. When your breath and your heart are moving as one energetic, the note that you play on this planet shifts. So what I facilitate is I help people connect their breath to their heart. That's why it's called roar. Because right when you're roaring, you're roaring in your, your right note, your right music. Yeah. So you it helps people kind of get back on their their path and they've never left the path, but it feels like you have, right? When you're not really in tune with your tune, right? So yeah. we have to get attuned to our tune. And it's not, for me, it's, it's not difficult because you're already here. So you haven't left anywhere. So, as people move through the the roar workshops and they move because I incorporate them in my sessions as well with like athletes and celebrities use it. So as people use that process, what happens is they'll notice that their mind will get really quiet. They'll become more receptive. They'll listen from a bigger place. They'll be more aware of this self, this brain, that keeps trying to block. And without trying to change or fix the brain, they'll go back to the heart breathing, right? Mm -hmm. And their mind will quiet. So we could let's let's practice. You want to practice? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll do we'll do it for your listeners because I, I think it's it's really wonderful for everybody. Great. You know, so those those listening online and or on the phone, however you're listening, uh, it doesn't matter. You just stay seated where you're at. You don't have to do any type of weird cross-legged positions. Or that's why I love it. So you can take a deep breath in and a deep breath out, and just become aware of your body. 
you know, if if you're crinkling up your toes, just become aware of that, and then your toes will uncrinkle. If you're shaking your leg right now, just become aware of that your leg is shaking, and it will stop. That's the power of awareness. So as you breathe in, picture your breath going into your heart. And as your breath goes into your heart, picture your, your heart breathing your breath out. So the breath comes into your heart like there's a nose on your heart, and then it it it, it will breathe out. So the, the breath comes into your heart and goes out of your heart. And just practice this. Just just be gentle with yourself. The mind will play tricks on you. It will suggest things to you like, well, this is weird. This is odd. I I don't know. I mean, am I doing this right? Am I doing it wrong? What's happening? doesn't matter. Just be aware that your mind is trying to get involved because it realizes that there's going to be a transformation happening and it doesn't want it to happen. It's comfortable and being comfortable, but we are not meant to be comfortable. We are meant to be alive. So breathe into your heart and out of your heart and just continue to do this while I'm talking. And then as you're doing this, you'll start to notice your mind is quieting down a little bit. So you can practice this simple method throughout your day. If you're multitasking and you need a little bit of a break from your mind, this is a good way of doing it. If if you if you like yourself, Lisa, if you've gone through a full day of clients and you want to give yourself a quick meditation before you go on the town and have a hot date, you can, do the, you can do the heart breathing. You breathe into your heart and out of your heart. Now, if we want to deepen the, the experience for your listeners, and what I mean by deepen, get your mind out of it in your brain, doesn't mean mastership or beginning or immediate or advanced. Those are concepts, and they're helpful to get people certificates. But as you breathe into your heart and out of your heart, what, you, what you'll notice is that you'll begin to hear your breath. And as you go inside of yourself, your ear will shift to listening to your breath coming into your heart and out of your heart. And as that happens, you'll notice that your breath sounds identical to the ocean. Mm-hmm. It'll be making a... Your exhale is always shorter than your inhale. And so... At first, you'll be taking in a lot of breath, and then you're going to let it out. Take it in to your heart, let it out. And you'll start to notice a rhythm that is happening within your beingness. And that rhythm is the rhythm of your music. And your music moves differently than my music. And so that's awesome. That's groovy, right? Yeah. Well, keep it simple. Keep it playful. And so as you start to to leave the brain and enter your body, now you're moving into your body. How glorious. Now you're in your body, which most people spend time avoiding all day because they don't want to be in their body because of traumas or different things. So it's good to be in the heavens. So as you, you breathe into your heart and out of your heart and you just continue to do this whenever you have time, deepen it by listening to your breath. And then you'll hear the ocean. So if you say to yourself today, God, I need to go to the ocean. What you're really saying is, I need to listen to my breath. And now you really begin to deepen the practice by listening to your breath and speaking from your breath. Not speaking from your brain. Mm 
that thinks it is is your brain is spending time defending defending old concepts ideas how things should be how i'm not how you're not how blah 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 blah, blah right it's just like that blah blah blah, blah. so so wh- this wh- will, what i make do you feel your mind relaxing yeah, what I'm experiencing as as we're doing this is in my meditation today, I was thinking, what is this higher octave of love that I'm striving for? And and I think that this is an attunement to that higher octave of love, regardless of what is going on in one's life, to transcend that somehow at a, at a higher, higher octave of love is what keeps coming up for me. And it's very peaceful. David, we have a, maybe another yes. minute. So I wanted to ask you, thank you for that experience. First and foremost, yes. how can people reach you for sessions, etc., public speaking? Yeah, it's pretty easy. You can just go. You can get me on Facebook at my name, David Matthew Brown, or you can go to Facebook and go to Ninety Days of Heat. Okay, and all my information is there. Excellent. Before the show, we were talking briefly about how you are working on a third book. Is that correct? I am. Yes. Excellent. Do you know when that will be released? Is there a time frame for that? I have no, or? I have no idea because I'm right in, like I'm in the middle of it, so I don't really know. It could happen quick. I, I don't. I don't really. There's not a time frame. There is a. I am working on a film, so that seems to have more of a time frame. So that's kind of where my focus is w- with my co-writer developing this film and and getting that moving. So that seems when to be kind we, of the yeah the main. Do you know when we can expect your film? Well, we're hoping to shoot it by the end of summer. So I would I don't know how long the editing takes, but I would probably say by the end of or beginning of 2017. And what is I the would, film I would, about so our listeners can know? Because it's, it's very exciting. Yeah, the film is about two brothers that go on this road trip and discover love. So the movie's called, uh, like, Fighting the Heart is a working title. But my character is, you discover in the movie, the boxer. And so there will be some boxing in it, but it's really a fun movie. It's filled with a lot of humor and uh, love between two brothers and then their discovery of love. Uh, Oh, cool. So, yeah. Cool. David, thank you for spending part of your day with me and the listeners. I really appreciate it. It was fun. And say hi to Sam for me. I will tell Sam hello. Have a good rest of your day. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Thank you, Lisa. Bye-bye. You're so welcome. Bye-bye. Well, y'all, that's our show for today. Tune in next week. I will be back in Los Angeles, available for in-person sessions, as I have Amadeus, who who is a clairvoyant artist, astrologer, writer, filmmaker, and songwriter, with us talking about her work. Thank you. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tyne.